Hi there, welcome to the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Griffith, and I am so excited to have you here. On this podcast, we talk about all forms of neurodivergence, from ADHD to learning disorders to giftedness to autism and more. If any of that sounds familiar, welcome to Neurodivergent Magic. Hello there, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome back to another episode of the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. I am so excited to bring you today's interview because we are talking to Tori. Uh, He is an entrepreneur who is also autistic, so a lot like me. And today we are just talking all things business, all things entrepreneurship, but also all things autism and how these two worlds intersect and affect each other. So without any further ado, let's jump on into it. Hey there, Tori. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Megan? I'm super good. I am pumped to talk to another autistic entrepreneur. Yes, always. Always pumped to talk about autism. Yes. So before we jump into autism and running a business and all of the highs and lows, uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So, excuse me. Uh, My name is Tori. I run a regenerative landscape consulting business. Um, I'm in the Cincinnati area. Um, I am autistic, obviously, as we said. Um, I've got a bunch of other neurodivergences. Uh, I have bipolar type 1, OCD, uh, dyspraxia. I always like, uh, there's so many that I like. (laughs) I'm a I consider myself a recovering hoarder. Um, I grew up in a, a hoarder house and I definitely have those tendencies also, but I've been working on them. It's a ongoing struggle. Um, I'm sure there are other things on my list, but you know, I had my uh, quote unquote autistic awakening, which I learned from your podcast, which is like such a good term because I really, uh, sums up the feeling, I think. Um, that was circa um, 2014, 2015. Um, I was at the end of my undergrad degree. So I was like 21, 22. Um, and I actually realized it from just like, well, I watched, uh, well, my, my mom had kind of like always suspected my brother to be autistic. Um, And he's more, you know, obviously there's not the whole, you know, higher, lower functioning of autism is problematic, but he's like, whereas if I tell someone I'm autistic, they might say, no, you're not. My brother is more like, if he said he's autistic, people would be like, okay. (laughs) So like, um, I watched some documentaries about autism that I think they I don't know even know what they were but I think they just popped up on YouTube recommended and I was like I'm gonna watch this uh and then at first I was like yeah this is my brother and then as I watched more I was like oh this is this is me also and my dad and uh yeah this is a a big thing and then the whole autistic awakening happened where I just did tons of research and um that's super it's a it's a big deal but it's very empowering in my opinion when you find out that you're autistic 
Absolutely. I would completely agree. I think there's definitely some grief involved for a lot of people, um, especially when you're late diagnosed. Uh, there's grieving for the life you could have lived if only you'd known. Um, but, but I think it's also, like you said, just so empowering. And so like, oh my gosh, it all makes sense. <laughs> you know, it, I know we all hate the puzzle piece symbol because it implies that we're missing a piece of ourselves. But I think when we find out we're autistic, it, it sort of feels like that missing puzzle piece like fits in and you're like, oh, I know now I understand. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about your business. I am not sure what regenerative uh, landscape consulting, I'm not sure what that is. So tell me more. Sure. Yeah. So I got my master of science degree in sustainable design um, last summer. I finished that and it was kind of an architecture based program, but I was able to kind of get away with landscaping versus architecture because like I just I'm not an architect a lot of people in my family are um I actually come from a long line of architects but um so regenerative landscape consulting is I coach people consult with people about their yards their gardens um it could be you know kind of any kind of landscape but I I like to focus on the smaller ones because I want to be able to empower people and teach people how to um, be able to use their yards to combat the climate crisis because there's a lot of overlap with um, how we manage our land both in uh, there's a lot of talk about this in farming and agriculture but it applies the same way to our yards uh, and it has the ability to either make the climate crisis worse or better. Uh, soil health is a big thing. The way the lawns are the bane of my existence, um, they are a major contributor to climate change. They're polluting everything. It's, I could go on a whole rant about lawns, but um, yeah, so we really need to make this shift into managing our yards, our private land, all land, to a way regenerative means like over time it gets better. So you're building up and undoing the bad things that have been done to the land because nature is very resilient and able to do that. Um, and over hundreds of years and some places thousands of years, we've really degraded the land and that is uh, one part of the climate crisis. And in my opinion, the biggest thing an individual person can do to combat the climate crisis is to uh, treat their, their yard regeneratively and stop using chemicals and all the bad practices. Right. Oh my gosh, that is fascinating. I, I guess I've never really thought about it that much. I knew that lawns were like not ideal for lots of reasons. Um, right. <laughs> they're the norm and that's like what we all do, but that's not necessarily what's best for the earth or even the most aesthetically pleasing. I've seen lots of um, landscaping that isn't your normal lawn. That's just totally beautiful. Um, so yeah, that is so fascinating. And what like drew you to start this business? Is this a special interest of yours or um, is it just something that you decided to focus on for other reasons? 
Um, kind of all of those things. Uh, so I've been gardening for, <clears throat> excuse me, um, about 10 years-ish. Um, but it was just a hobby at first and it was very, it's always very therapeutic to just kind of, you know, have your hands on the dirt and your feet on the ground and be around plants and stuff. Um, but I, so my undergraduate degree is in illustration, which is like a totally different field. Um, so I graduated in 2015 with my BFA and tried to make it as an artist, which is very difficult to make money just as an artist. People do it obviously, but um, I struggled a lot. I would get, you know, the occasional freelance thing. And I've always had an entrepreneurial mindset, um, even like in my late teens, like I remember graduating high school and like asking my friends, like, let's start a business, let's start a business. And everybody was like, no. <laughs> um, so I, just kind of, I did the same thing when I graduated college. I was like, let's start a business, let's start a business. And everybody was like, no. And I've always felt like I kind of needed somebody else to keep me accountable and to like help with logistics. Um, and a big part I've realized now of why I was not able to make my art into a business was that I didn't have a big why, like why I was doing it for the other people. Um, so I just kind of floundered around for a few years and then I was just out of money and needed to get a quote unquote real job, which I really, I mean, I've struggled forever with having quote unquote real jobs. I always um, end up like burnt out, I end up overwhelmed. <clears throat> And then I just like stop showing up. <laughs> so I've definitely uh, quit or been fired from just a ton of jobs. Like, it's just, I'm not made for that environment, which is what I've recently started to embrace instead of seeing it as a, a hindrance. Um, but so I had to get a quote unquote real job and I ended up, uh, getting a job as a digital marketer for this uh, frame company and it was an office job like a nine to five the commute was like a disaster um, it was like 40 minutes away but like during rush hour and like so even longer and I would be at the job for 10 or nine hours and then an hour there an hour home that's like 11 hours which is like and I need a lot of sleep also to function. So like that was my whole day. And it was, and on top of the fact that it was so much time, it was a very toxic place, like all kinds of toxic, like just, just crazy shit. Like I, it, it was so toxic. So I was being more and more burnt out from being there. Um, and I was looking for new jobs and not really, getting much and I was like I have to pay the bills I gotta stay here until I find another job uh, and then life decided that I was gonna there was gonna be a big change so my um in 2019 March 2019 
my uh, dad had a brain aneurysm and a stroke and he was in the ICU for like a month. Um, he's still with us, he survived, but he's now like very uh, disabled. He needs like full, full-time care. He can't like be alone for too long because he might, he can't walk. And sometimes he forgets he can't walk. So he might like try to stand up and fall. Um, so my mom is his caretaker, but uh, so at first we didn't even know if he was gonna make it. And so we we're in the ICU waiting room and I'm like, you know, texting my work and I'm like, I'm not coming in. Like, absolutely not. Like I need to be with my family. Like you guys can go fuck yourselves. Um, and they accused me of lying about the situation and they were not accommodating and they made a already like a very traumatizing situation uh, just so much worse. And so I was like, I cannot, like I, it is not healthy for me to uh, be at this job and be dealing with this situation at the same time. It wasn't healthy for me to be at that job regardless because again, it was very toxic. Um, so I quit um, and that was scary um, because I have bills to pay and I, I'm, I'm married, I have a, a husband and uh, he was not working at the time, but then he got a job like right after that. So then he was the one paying the bills. But um, so then I was, I mean, that whole like six months that my dad was in facilities, I was just like trying to, in survival mode pretty much, but I was also like, what do I do with my life? Like now, like where do I go from here now that I uh, have quit my job and don't know what I want to do? Uh, and gardening at that time was a very therapeutic thing. Like I said, it, it always is, but especially in times when you need it. Um, and so I actually like one of my managers from that past job, her husband, and they're, they're in like their fifties. He was, had gone back to school to finish his bachelor's degree that he never finished. And I very much enjoy writing papers uh, and he was struggling writing papers. So I started writing his papers for him and he was paying me, which is like, you know, probably not ethical, but it's not illegal, so whatever. Um, so I was writing his papers for him and I was getting A's and, um, you know, I would like talk to my therapist about this. And she was like, it seems like you really enjoy school. And I like realized that I missed being in school. So I decided I was gonna go back to school I wasn't like totally sure where or for what, um, but I knew I wanted to do something with plants. Uh, and then I found the master's program at the school that I went to for sustainable design, which wasn't like exactly what I was looking for, but it was like close enough and it was like doable and online and um, all that. So I did my master's in sustainable design and graduated in August. And then of course it's been the pandemic and the world is just like crazy. So I tried to find a job and I had this two year work gap, quote unquote work gap, which is like such a bullshit thing that like why it like 
why won't you hire me just because like I was had a traumatic experience and then was in school like whatever so I applied for like 600 jobs over like a few months and I got very little I got a lot of while we appreciate your whatever your expertise and we think that you're great or whatever uh, we will not be hiring you like I got so many rejection emails and then and like I knew I wanted to start a business but like I didn't know how to do it I didn't know what the thing was exactly um and then I ended up getting scammed that was like this terrible situation where someone like offered me a job that was like work from home and they and it was like good money and they sent me a check to buy a new computer and a printer and then the check ended up being fraudulent um so then I had like my bank account closed and it was like this whole thing and I was just like at like the lowest point oh my it was gosh. It, yeah it was it was a lot and I was just like uh, I'm trying so hard to find a job and it's not happening and at that point I was like I just got to take it into my own hands and I I feel like it was the universe being like this is what you were supposed to do so like where if we have to kick your ass to get you to that point then that's what we have to do so at that point I was like after I recovered from the uh, emotional things of that whole situation I decided okay I'm just gonna I'm gonna go for this like at this point I literally have nothing to lose like I'm just gonna go for it so that's when I started my business and I had actually found some other like garden coaches on the internet and I was like wait a second this is a thing like you can like teach people about gardening I was like I can do that and I can do it in a way that's like different than what other people are doing because I have this education in climate science and soil health and native plants and all those things. So I decided to just go for it. And I'm still uh, pretty early, early on and it's been a handful of months. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a crazy story. Um, a lot of trial and struggle. And I'm really sorry that I think it is like you said, the universe is like, this is where you need to be. And we will get you there if we have to drag you kicking and screaming, you know? So I'm curious to know in the past couple of months that you've been running your business, how has being autistic like affected that? Have you noticed challenges? Have you noticed some areas of strength? Um, what have you noticed? I mean, obviously there are challenges in kind of anything when you're autistic, like there's going to be challenges, but I feel like there's significantly fewer challenges than if I was at a quote unquote normal job, mm-hmm. um, which is like why I think a lot, I think neurodivergent and autistic people should consider becoming entrepreneurs because I you can tailor it to meet your specific things, like your quirks and your, if you need to stim and if you need to, 
take a break when you need to take a break like and however many you can you know set your own hours like for me i'm a night owl so like working from nine to five is exhausting because then I like wake up late at night and then I can't go to sleep and then I don't get enough sleep and I'm tired and the whole thing. So being able to set your own hours is a huge thing because I think a lot of us have kind of weird sleep schedules, weird sleep habits. Um, also, like I said, making your own hours. So like some weeks I can work 40 hours and some weeks I can't and being able to make that decision myself is very empowering. And also like not having to follow someone else's rules or feel like you're like being restricted by, like I hate like the, the handbooks and like all the rules of, of a regular job, like because it just, or like when you have to wear a, a uniform or like a, dress code where you have to wear uncomfortable clothes like I can just sit in my house and wear sweatpants or like whatever's comfortable and I can have my fidget toys and um yeah yeah absolutely I think so much of being autistic regardless of whether we're talking about work or friends or school anything is trying to guess what the rules are. (laughs) And when you work for yourself, you make the rules. And so you don't have to guess anymore. It takes a whole layer of work away. (laughs) Absolutely. There's so much like of not knowing that something is quote unquote wrong or like that you're being quote unquote rude. Like that's been a big struggle for me is that people think that I'm rude or I'm mean or whatever when I don't even know that I'm, what I said is wrong at all. Um, and I had that in my last job where I worked a lot with the CEO directly and he would be like, I love that Tori is so uh, like direct and gives his honest feedback, but then but that was only if it like kind of aligned with what he wanted. So if I would say, so he gave me that permission. Like he said that, like he said, I like that Tori is direct and gives his honest feedback. So I was like, okay, that gives me permission to like not mask as much and to like give my honest feedback. But then sometimes I would do it and he would be mad at me. And I'd be like, you told me that I could tell you what I think and then you're like directly asking me my opinion but then when you don't like it then I'm in trouble and I'm like being defiant or whatever exactly and, uh, exactly <laughs> yeah so and it, like you said it, it's it's so much guessing it's like I don't I, I love the like analogy that like autistic people weren't given the handbook of how to be a person that everyone else was given so it's like you don't know <laughs> the rules but um, yeah, so being able to make your own rules. So like if I feel like I need to be direct or whatever with somebody in my business, I can do that. And if they have a problem with it, I'm not going to be like reprimanded or like get written up and that kind of thing. Because I'm also like terrified of authority and like getting in trouble and like getting yelled at. So like 
knowing that there's not someone that's been so empowering is like knowing that there's not someone above me who's gonna yell at me if I do something Mm -hmm. wrong Mm -hmm. that's been like the most empowering thing like the first time I did a, a consultation with a client I just felt so empowered I was like nobody's gonna tell me I'm doing this wrong because I'm not being like supervised by someone else this is all me and I get to decide it's it's sovereignty you know it's being in control of your own life which I think most autistic people benefit from absolutely 100% I think a lot of these accommodations you're listing um, you know being able to take breaks when you need them and being able to stim freely without having to mask honestly I think all of them would help everybody (laughs) it's just a lot of neurotypical folks don't even recognize that they have some of these needs and they don't have these needs to the same extent or whatever but but I just think I think I wish all workplaces were a little more accommodating in general obviously but because they aren't working for yourself is just such a good option for autistic folks especially um absolutely and there are people there are definitely neurodivergent people who like that kind of structure and like right. liking the job and having like not having to make all the decisions and stuff so that's definitely valid um that's just not my experience personally but um yeah and like and burnout is real and a big part of like of all the jobs that I've had like so many of them I've ended up quitting because I just had like I just was burnt out and I was like I cannot get in my car and drive to this place like I just like physically can't and what I also like hate phone calls so like I also like couldn't just communicate that directly and also if you don't know about neurodivergencies, it kind of probably doesn't make sense. So you'd be like, you know, you get all the hate and the like, you're lazy, you need to pull up your bootstraps and get to work and blah, 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 blah. Right. But um, yeah, there were so many times where I had to quit jobs just because I just could not get myself there. And it was really disheartening. And there was a long time where I was like, I'm never going to be able to have a job because I can't because I need these times and I don't know when they're going to happen that I need to rest and that's what I'm realizing now is that the importance of kind of embracing those rest times and keeping yourself from burning out because there's that horrible thing that society does that where our worth is our productivity which is not actually true, but like, even, you know, me saying it's not actually true, there is a part of my brain that's like, yeah, it is true. <laughs> like, you are, your worth is your productivity. And like, I'm always trying to unlearn that, but it's so ingrained in society that it's very hard to unlearn, but I am trying very hard to unlearn it and to, and it's much easier to unlearn being your own boss than if you're in an environment where that is the kind of culture that you have to be productive and you're being paid for your productivity. Right. So you, you found that working for yourself 
is better for that hustling culture. Like you hustle less when you work for yourself. Cause I think some people are really worried that they're like, I'm afraid I'm going to go from working nine to five to working 24 seven. And I'm just going to, you know, start hustling way too much. So both kind of, um, <laughs> cause I absolutely do hyper-focus and I will work for you know whatever 10 11 hours straight and like not even know what time it is or like how long i've been working which i've been better about like keeping track of my time so i at least know how long i've been working um but yes it is very easy to work 24 7 but i've been just just kind of recently i i had a a talk with a mentor, a neurodivergence mentor, um, who kind of emphasized the need for resting when you need to rest. And I'm mm -hmm. trying very hard to do that. I'm not saying that I'm, you know, perfect at it because there is, you know, still that hustle culture where I'm like, if I'm not working, I'm not worth anything. Um, right. Like, especially as an entrepreneur, because when you work, for yourself and you sell your own products and you sell like coaching and stuff like that. It's not like you can work nine to five every day, but if you're not selling something, it doesn't matter. Like what you, your worth almost gets tied up in your profit too. So it's not only the hours, but the profit, but all this other stuff. So how are you navigating all of that? I'm just doing my best. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is hard because like you said, the the money is kind of even more, feels more like your worth because it is like 100% you um, versus like being like, I know if I show up from nine to five, I will be paid this much an hour or this, my salary is X amount. Um, so yeah, no, it absolutely is hard. Don't get me wrong. It's very hard, but um, I was given the advice to figure out how to <clears throat> make the days where I can't work restful instead of making myself feel guilty or getting decision fatigue from trying to decide between do I work on this thing? Do I work on that thing? Do I try to work or do I just accept that it's not going to happen today? And I've been trying to listen to my body and listen to, you know, my myself in those days where it's like, it's not going to happen. Because ultimately, if you do try to work on those days, when you are not, you know, your executive functioning is down or you're burnt out or you're, you know, maybe you had a panic attack yesterday and you're still recovering. Um, first of all, the, the quality of what you're doing isn't gonna be what it could be. So you're sacrificing that. And then also you're kind of increasing your recovery time because you're mm -hmm. trying to work when you should be resting. So if you take that time, uh, there's always, I always think about the saying that you can't pour from an empty glass. So mm -hmm. like if you're running on empty, you can't, you can't do the thing. So you have to make time to fill up your glass 
before you go back to it, which yeah. again, it's not easy. It's not easy <laughs> at all to like unlearn these societal things that are so ingrained into our culture. But um, I am trying to actively do that and listen to myself and say, okay, today is a day where we're going to like, maybe I can do a little bit. Maybe I can respond to emails, but I can't like make a full blog post or something. Um, so I do what I can and then I just relax and I watch YouTube or sit outside or I have fish tanks. I hang out with my fish or whatever and um, try to use that time to rest so that the next day will hopefully all my cup will be more filled and I'll be able to not only do work, but do better quality work. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so before we wrap things up, I have two final questions. Um, one, where can people find you? If people are listening and they're like, okay, I want my lawn to be, you know, not a lawn. I want it to be more climate friendly. Like how, so where can they follow you? Where can they find you? Um, so I'm mostly on Instagram and that is at native.yards. Um, I'm also on Facebook at Native Yardening. Um, that's like gardening with a Y. Um, and my website is nativeyardening.com. And I'm currently working on launching something that I think will be a little more useful to neurodivergent people because it's a little, because I think uh, like coaching sessions can be a little intimidating, especially if you're not like, if you don't know the person and you're like, oh, I'm coming, like coming into this meeting with a stranger is a little intimidating. So the thing that I'm working on is a little more uh, self-paced, uh, kind of like a questionnaire that you answer all these questions and then I can evaluate that and come up with a plan for you based on your answers to the questions that you fill out on your own time. Um, so yeah. That's amazing. Okay. And last question, what is one thing about autism, entrepreneurship, yardening, uh, anything that you want people to take away from this episode? Just like one thing, if they forget everything else, <laughs> this is the one thing that they need to know. I think it's that autistic and other neurodivergent minds are crucial to society. Um, there are there's a big overlap between autism and engineering and innovation and invention. There are a lot of very famous people who did big things who uh, were neurodivergent. And there's currently a lot of, there's always been and currently is a lot of eugenics going on, eugenics research going on, trying to get rid of autism. And I think that if we eliminate autism, the world will suffer. And uh, we are, we are essential to society, whether you have a job, whether you don't have a job, whether you have a business, 
uh, your mind as a neurodivergent person is necessary and needed in the world. Yeah, that's a wonderful message to end on. You are needed exactly as you are. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Tori, for being on the show. Um, I so appreciate all of your insight and I love learning about yardening. I think that's awesome. So (laughs) thank you so much. And to everybody listening, I will see you again next Saturday. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you give us a follow over on Spotify, leave a review over on Apple podcasts and tune in next Saturday for another amazing episode.